0: This is Generation Education. I'm Ruth Baynard, and you're listening to 101.9 High FM. So we've got a lovely guest on. We've been joined today by Stacey Lewis. Let me tell you a little bit about Stacey. So Stacey is a mom of four. She's a physiotherapist. A divorce mediator, and as Stacy puts it, a double D. And no, not referring to her eyes, but rather a double divorcée. Stacy has also authored two books and co-authored one book, as in, and is in the process of writing her first novel. Stacy's a lover of life and extremely grateful that she only needs six hours of sleep. <laughs> Welcome, Stacy. Thanks, Ruth. Thanks for having me. It's so lovely to have you here. And Stacey, I have to laugh when you put their only work on six hours of sleep. I think being a mom of four kids, I'm amazed that you even get six hours.
1: Look, I was a bit embarrassed to actually say five because I can function on five if pushed um, with quite a bit of caffeine. But yeah, I think six actually is uh, quite good going.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so Stacey, thanks for joining me today. I wanted to chat about this whole conception that moms have to do everything and can do everything and whatever they're doing, they have to be the best at it. You know, it's just so much pressure on moms. What do you feel as a mom of four kids and a mom that's
1: got, you also have so many different jobs that you do. How do you cope? So firstly, I think the best thing is actually when I had my fourth child and I'll tell you why I stopped Having the expectation of myself of being normal. So that, that was really the most freeing thing because normal really is a setting on a washing machine and that's it. So I'm also very fortunate is that my kids don't expect perfection from me. They understand that I'm human. They understand that I'm juggling a million things. I am very forgiving of myself in terms of expecting perfection. I mean, that went out the window long ago so they don't expect it of me. How did you actually reach that point of saying you know what it's not expected? I think it was actually because I was unable. I mean having four children and I mean my first three I think I started 50% of the expectation after my third one because I had three children in 29 months. So I think by that time, first of all, I also say and I I tell everyone whenever I do a talk, I say it's actually my gift. I suffer from something; it's a syndrome, and I I really think it's a real thing. I call it postpartum placental removal amnesia. Every time you lose (laughs) placenta, you lose some brains, right? So after the three, and then I became a single mom when my third was eight months, and my oldest was. Uh, Three years old, my middle one is 22 months, my oldest one is eight months. I could not be perfect. So I think it was actually that inability to actually deliver perfection. And then by the time I had my fourth, I mean, can you imagine how many brains were lost by that time? Four percenters. Um, It just wasn't even a possibility. So I could be unreasonable and expect myself to be perfect, but I actually, I couldn't deliver. I didn't have the ability anyway. So it was almost a gift. Because I don't even try to be perfect. What I try to do is just be my best.
0: And when you say you try to be your best, first of all, you know, I know if even for myself, is that I'm putting everybody first. You know, the job, the kids, the everything, the home, the dog even. And when it comes to me, I almost feel like guilty. If I'm going to go and have my hair done or my nails done or actually go for a cup of coffee, there's that little bit of guilt that comes with it, which I know is crazy, but it 's just that that it 's there. What can you suggest to moms to first of all get over the silly guilt that we all feel, and what would you advise as something to make moms actually just start being aware that they are important as well
1: so i'll take I had two big wake up calls. my first one was after my first divorce, and I took it really badly. I landed up in hospital with depression, rock bottom, and the second defining moment was in 2019 when I had Epstein-Barr virus. And both of those events made me realize that if I wanted to be there for my children, the only way in which that would be possible is if I could be there for myself. So I'm very, very cognizant of doing what I need to do to fill my own cup because I'm no good to my children if I don't look after myself. So I don't see if I go have my nails done, for example, I don't see that as pampering. I see that as maintenance and I see, you know, that's my time. I love to exercise for me. Exercise is medicine. I do it guilt-free because I know that if I don't do that for me, I'm not going to be fully present for my children. And I need to do for me, whatever it takes to make me functional and be able to be there optimally for my children so I don't see it as a selfish thing I I see it as part of the package of being a good enough mom
0: absolutely and I love how you say a good enough mom because that's exactly what it is it doesn't matter if you let one ball drop it's about actually just being good enough and uh, all of us have this perception that we have to be the best at something and yes it's wonderful to strive that, but good enough is exactly that. So what I wanted to also ask you, in terms of with moms doing stuff for themselves, besides the obvious, the nails and the hair and that, which we all love to do, could you recommend any other stuff that maybe could be an outlet for moms that they can actually just reconnect with themselves and actually figure out who they are
1: again. Absolutely. In fact, I wanted to, to talk about that and, and sorry to bring up the divorce because really I don't, even though I joke and I call myself a double D, you know, I, I don't really, I, this is not about being a single parent, but I must tell you that certainly my first divorce framed and changed who I am. And, and there were so many things that happened that changed me for the good and made me who I am. So I do reflect on it and I'll never forget my first weekend without my children right and there I was alone so in that moment I wasn't Stacey the mom I certainly wasn't Stacey the wife I wasn't at work so I wasn't Stacey the physiotherapist and I was absolutely petrified I thought who am I now I know there are many moms and I certainly find myself doing that now on occasion in my circus zoo of a home and I you know fantasize about what would I do when the kids leave home but actually, I would actually invite moms to think, okay, have those fantasies. What would I do when the kids leave, leave home or, you know, or when I had time? And think, okay, use that as a springboard to find what is it that makes your heart sing? Because why do you have to wait? Why can't you do it now? And I think what's so important, and specifically as women, you know, we define ourselves by so many roles. And I think it's so important to have some quiet time and get in touch with who is Stacey? Not Stacey and my roles. Who am I? And Absolutely. to actually explore that and, and, and find time for that. And I think that's so important. So it's really not about the superficial thing, hair, or nails, whatever it is. If you love exercising, do it. If you love listening to music, put yourself, put together up a power mix. You like going, you know, walking the dog. But what's so important, being a mom, is I find if we don't actually schedule that time in, It doesn't happen because a mother by nature is selfless, right? And we put our children first. So what's so important is in the diary, 245 occupational therapy, 415 to 445 meditation, listen to music, go to an aqua class, whatever it is, dance in the kitchen, but make that time and actually schedule it in because it's as important as the other stuff.
0: That is such a brilliant, brilliant suggestion. We just actually were chatting earlier about the apps available or, or not apps. We were talking about Google Calendar and using it to schedule things in and that's actually such a brilliant idea. Schedule your own self into the into the calendar. make sure that you're scheduling time for you and you also actually brought up about divorce moms and we, of course we're not discussing that today, but it is actually so important because very often that single mom is doing even more than what is expected. And she is having to hold down the the job of dad, mom, everything all at the same time. And very often that also does come with financial burden. So, you know, it's about finding something for yourself that doesn't have to necessarily be a financial stress. As you said Go do exercise, go for a walk or something to that effect. Um, Find something for you. But now having said that, you know, kids are kids. And the minute you sit down to drink a cup of tea, there they are. What would you advise to actually start training your kids to also allow you to be you? Uh, If Does that
1: make sense of the way I've worded it? Absolutely. So I think it's really difficult when, when they're young, um, because they can't really understand. It. But my kids know, you know, that, so, so my, the ages of my children, they're 16, 15, 14 and seven. Yes, you're going to ask me, didn't we have television? Um, but anyway, that's, <laughs> the, that's the, the birth order and that's the age. So my older kids most certainly understand and they've seen what happens when mom doesn't have me time, when things get a bit much. So they really do understand, but it is a juggling act, and I must tell you that there are times when the pool filter goes on at four a.m. and it wakes me, and I'm quite grateful because I think, great, I'm just going to listen to a meditation or or some music for forty-five minutes. There's zero disturbances. I'm not suggesting you wake up in the middle of the night, but I'm saying sometimes it's easier said than done. But I do think that it's important to communicate to one's one's children that yes, mom is there for you. But mom needs to be okay as well. And it's very important for mom. She's much calmer when she goes for a walk with a dog or if she goes for a swim at the gym or whatever it is, does an online workout or even just has a nap for half an hour. You know, I want to be the best, best mom I can be for you. But I need to look after me because I know you think I'm a superwoman, but, but I'm actually not. I'm actually Human, when you scratch me or I cut myself, I also bleed, I also cry, I also get hungry. Whatever it is, I'm human. And I love you so much, but what mom needs to be there for you in the best way she can is actually just to have a little bit of time for herself.
0: Moms often also, I don't know if it's a culture thing or if it's just that we've been raised to not ask for help. And in fact, later on in the show, I'm actually going to be playing a clip about how we don't ask for help. And it is so important for us to have support structures and for us to actually ask and say, listen, I need help. Can you fetch the children or can somebody else make the dinner? And I'm not talking about just the kids. I'm talking about outside help. What sort of support structures, besides, let's say, grandparents and immediate family, what sort of support structures are they available to parents? I think that's
1: a very, very good and relevant question because not enough, you know, not enough formal support structures. But I will tell you what happened today, and it's interesting because my default, I've got my my little inner circle that i asked for help. So I would certainly ask, you know, any of the grandparents of my children um, to assist or, you know, have a cystic, yeah, whatever. But today I was really in a pickle and I didn't know how long this interview would take and whatever. And I never think to ask a friend. I don't. And I actually thought today, I messaged my one friend and I said, please, can you help me? She said, with the greatest of pleasure. So maybe something to think about would be, you know, to have almost like this circle of help. You know, we don't have these incredible things that happen in rural areas, for example, where people pool their resources. Why don't we do that? Why don't we say, you know, not everybody can afford babysitting and domestic help. Why don't we reach out to, you know, a group of friends in the same agent stage, I call it, and say, you know what? I'm going to look after the kids. We're going to, I don't know, do whatever activity um, in the afternoon and and you have a break and let's rotate. So maybe that's an idea as well. You know, the thing is not everybody has the privilege of having family and family that's available. People work. Times are tough economically, so that's not always a possibility. But maybe if there's a group of friends can actually pull together and help each other out, even if it's on a rotational basis, once a month, whatever it is, it's something.
0: Yes, as the saying goes, it actually takes a village. And it it is, it's so
1: true that. Yeah, so I think sometimes we need to think out the box because even though I'm a very good delegator and I have a lot of people in my life that are so willing to help me, sometimes I don't always think of the obvious, you know, and we don't have to do it. Alone, you don't. Alone.
0: Control and control. Exactly.
1: And going beyond that, talking of
0: not having to do it alone, you know, there's also no shame for a person to admit that they're not coping. And, and this actually leads me to what I wanted to ask and wanted to just chat about. It's almost like it's a stigma stigma that if you are just not coping and you actually need some sort of support like therapy, It's almost like a stigma not to ask, or if you do actually eventually go, not to actually get the uh, not to tell people about the help that you're getting. And I think my personal opinion is that it is so important to actually be able to share and to be able to say, hey, I'm falling apart. I need something to actually, or someone to actually just listen to me. Have you come across this? Have you yourself, sorry if it's a very personal question,
1: ever found that you've been in that space? Absolutely. So, I mean, unfortunately, this was my major life again. So back to divorce one, but I'll never forget. The point at which I realized I needed help. I mean, I don't know how I didn't realize before, but anyway, I was anorexic. I couldn't eat. I literally couldn't swallow my reality. I weighed 38 kilos, and I very vividly recall standing in front of my wardrobe of clothes and thinking, how am I going to match my pants with my top? That was enormous for me. And, you know, I'm this coper. I'm like, I always joke and say I'm like a cat. You like, throw me up, I'll land on my feet, you know? But this cat just couldn't cope. And I reached out. I phoned my GP at the time, and I said, I actually need to be admitted. I'm not coping with this. I'm, I'm really not coping with
0: it. Had anyone in your family actually pointed out anything to you? Because often family will say something, but we go, ah, no, you're, you're talking rubbish.
1: Do do vividly remember I was sleeping or trying to sleep. And I think it was my dad talking to my grand downstairs. I lived in a double story. And I don't know which one said to the other one, shame her life's so terrible and it's so hard. And the other one said, But don't tell her about it, you know, we don't have to tell her how hard it is. So I think they were (laughs) weird, but I think they were so scared that I would break. Do you know what I'm saying? So I don't think they quite knew how to approach it. And I'm very certain that had I not actually decided myself that I needed help, I'm very certain that, you know, shortly thereafter, someone would have did an intervention. Do you know what I'm saying? Because really I was not coping um and then again when i got sick when i had this epstein Barr, i mean it's certainly no life-threatening illness but it absolutely immobilized me in 2019 i think i was in my bed for about three months but i think you know i think my mom intervened and she said right so what what do you need and my dad interviewed what do you need so you know i've gotten better at at asking for it and i really try also it's interesting i raised my kids to believe that therapy is positive. Asking for help is a sign of strength. So when they see me, and I'm very real, and I'm very human with my kids, and certainly with my older ones, they see me having a tough time. I mean, the one said to me the other day, I had a very overwhelming 2021. I'm juggling a million balls. And my one daughter said to me, mom, you know, you tell us, it's a sign of strength to ask for help when things get too much. Why aren't you? That's so amazing that your child said Yes, I've raised perceptive children and well I've really done. tried to, you know, I've worked hard, but I've really tried to, you know, imprint on them that it's okay to be human and it's okay, it's, it's never mind okay, that is the only way we are imperfect and we but are allowed correct. to be not and we are allowed to. And, a, and as they say,
0: as they say, you know, don't do what I say do what I do, and kids do. They actually imitate your actions. And if you are saying to them, oh, you know, ask for help in that, but you're not doing it yourself, you're actually not doing yourself
1: a favor and you're most certainly not doing your kids a favor. Absolutely. But I also say there's no wake-up mirror like, you know, one's children. So it's incredible. You know, sometimes perhaps, I don't know, I'm so much in my head, I don't even always realize what's going on. But I've always got my my older girls to kind of bring me back down and, you know, bring me into check almost. You know what I'm saying? And say, Mom, it's okay. It's okay. You actually, it's fine. You can ask for help. And it's amazing. I mean, it's not their job to tell me, but it's almost that they've heard it from me. You know what I'm saying? That it's quite okay and it's okay to delegate. And, you know, I told them long ago, because I think they told me when they were younger, that it's terrible that I don't really pack their school lunches you know, for them. At the time, I had a helper who did, and their friend's mom's packed their school lunch, and they write them these notes and whatever. And I just said to them, like, I'm good at being there for you in other ways, and it's not that I absolutely don't care. I've delegated that. So mom's just not great, you know, at that. I'll buy it, put on the shopping list, whatever, but I've got help. So mom needs a little bit more time getting out of bed in the morning. I mean, it's good to brush one's teeth and hair. So if I can do that and have a bit of help, It will be great. Thankfully, they've reached the stage now where they pack their own gourmet lunches. Um, But they understand, you know, mom just can't. And mom's going to ask for help with this one.
0: And Stacey, I'm so sad that I have to actually say we've run out of time because this has been such an incredible talk and it's been so wonderful just hearing about you and how you've coped and the advice and the suggestions. I'm hoping that it's going to be inspirational for other moms out there that maybe are going through the same thing or... Have a friend going through that. And it's so important for us to be able to share, to know that you're not alone. So thank you so much for joining me today.
1: And I wish you everything of the best. Thank you so, so much for having me. And I'm going to be a little bit crude, but it's, I can't remember which one of my kids said it, but it is so true. And she said to me, mom, everyone poops. Everyone poops. And that's my message. We all human. We all imperfect. And absolutely. you know we we're all in this. That's
0: my true <laughs> on that note <laughs> you're listening to Generation Education and I'm Ruth Baynard. Casey, thank you so much. That was absolutely fabulous. <laughs>
1: Such a pleasure. Anytime you just let me know.
0: Definitely. What I'd love to actually do is is to get together one day and just because also I know you've written books and you know, and and I'd love to just get to know more about you, so that next time we can maybe even look at some sort of very specific area, or you know what I'm saying. So, and we can yeah. look at also, we can also I can put you onto my regular
1: list as well, which will be awesome. With the greatest of pleasure, we'll be in touch. you.